You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. I'm Heather, and I like to treat this podcast like we're just old friends sitting around in our jam jams with no makeup, a messy bun, and probably some sort of bodily fluid on our shirt from a child. In this show, we chat about homemaking, simplifying mommyhood, Jesus, and everything in between. This is a place where we embrace that life can sometimes be a crazy, beautiful, hilarious mess. I want to give you the encouragement, support, and some practical tips to help you thrive, even when some days you might feel like you're riding the Holy Hot Mess Express. So grab Grab a cup of coffee or wine if it's been one of those days. Relax. Let's chat. Hey guys. So for whatever reason today, recording at the Y, it just seems ridiculously noisy here. So I apologize if you're hearing like weights clanking and children screaming and grown men having funny conversations. Sorry. I'm just recording in the conference room at the Y and hoping... Nothing ridiculous happens in the background. (laughs) Anyways, last episode, we talked about like decluttering kids' toys and why it's so good for them and it's so good for you and it's like peaceful and amazing and wonderful. And if you're like, yes, I needed to declutter the toys, but I don't know how to, this is the episode that's going to tell you how. So remember my big, you know, if you've been anywhere around me for any bit of time, you know that... I was drowning in stuff and in clutter and it was affecting my mental health and my just patience and my ability to keep up with my house. And I couldn't even keep it tidy to clean things. So I'm talking like sticky counters, stuff like that, because there was stuff everywhere and I couldn't clean because I'd have to put away stuff, which would take me hours. And I finally went through this huge, huge purge declutter. And so now I'm a big advocate for clearing the clutter, specifically the kids' toys. And so last episode, I tell you all about why it's so good for you and for the kids and for their imaginations and their play and for them to get along, for them to not be overwhelmed with the amount of toys. And they don't realize that they're overwhelmed, but they are. Some child is screaming. And it might be one of my children. I can hear them through the wall. I don't know. Anyways, we're going to go through like the real basic, but also kind of in-depth way about how I declutter toys. Decluttering is one of those ongoing chores. Like it's something you have to do on a very regular basis in order to stay on top of it. Otherwise, things get overwhelming. And when I get in like a depressive bout or I'm anxious or I feel overwhelmed, one of the first things I go do is go declutter somewhere in my house. The other day, I opened up the cabinet to get sugar for something, and I was like, this baking cabinet is awful, and it's giving me anxiety, and I ripped it all out right there, and I cleaned the cabinets out, and I put everything back nice and neat and threw away stuff we didn't need, and bam, one cabinet, easy peasy. So after you do your your first initial huge kids declutter, then anytime you do it afterwards, it's going to take you 15, 20 30 minutes tops to keep on top of it. And it, 
it's a stress reliever too. So I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really let my kids in the room when I'm decluttering. And that's because I started doing this so much when they were little that I didn't need to keep them involved. There was no like betrayal or anything like that. And my fail safe with it is that we have a guest bedroom that is not used right now, unless family's in town. So in that guest bedroom, I put the bags and boxes of toys that I want to declutter in there. And I leave them in there for like two months, set an alarm in my phone. And at the end of the two months, if nobody's really asked for them and I don't see the need to keep, keep them, then that's when I donate them. So that way, when a kid says, Hey mom, where's my transformer toy? I can't find it. I can go look in there and say, Oh, here it is. I don't let the kids in that room. I literally keep that room locked, but that way I'm not betraying them by stealing and throwing away their things, but also I can get things out and remove their mental clutter as well as mine and make the cleanup easier and things like that. And that's also a really good way to determine if you really should be keeping a toy or not. So the way that I go through decluttering is that I first go around the house and make sure that I have every toy in the one area that you're decluttering from. So if you have a playroom, that would be go to the kids' bedrooms, go to, get every toy in the house and put them in the, in the playroom or in the bedroom or wherever you want to do. So then you're going to define that space and what you want to get out of it. So for my kids in their bedroom, I really want that space to be where they play independently and with each other. That's not really a place that like, I'm going to go hang out and play. I want them to be able to go in there and get alone time and do things by themselves. If they need to, I want them to be able to play endlessly, like with their imagination and stop whenever they want to. And I want it to be very easy to clean up for the kids because I'm not cleaning it up anymore. (laughs) So next you're going to also kind of look at the area and decide the area that you want the toys to be kept in. For us in our kids room, we have, we don't have any dresser drawers. Their bunk beds have like three drawers on the bottom, which is where LJ's clothes go. And there's six drawers, six smaller drawers going near the stairs that go up to the top. And that's where Evelyn's clothes are. So we don't need a dresser to store toys or to store clothes. We have a bookshelf where the kids have a little Marion statue on it that they put in there and books only on the bookshelf. That's all that's on the bookshelf. Then on the, there's like a white cubby thing, you know, those like real cheap ones you get from Target or Walmart or whatever. And it's just got eight cubes in it or, you know, eight cubicle cubby thingies in it. And I have four of these 11 by 11, they're called the Y weave basket. So it looks like a basket weave, but it's actually plastic, um, from Target. 
and I love those. They're big enough that you can fit stuff in it and just shove it in and it's real nice. But I also put labels on the front because I'm pretty OCD, but it helps the kids clean up. So I have four bins and those bins have character toys and animals. So like, you know, all the plastic dinosaurs and plastic bugs we have and little horses and any of the Paw Patrol toys that we, that I let them keep out. PJ mask, whatever. Y'all, I am struggling with this runny nose. Like I haven't felt like I've had a runny nose all day. And then all of a sudden I start recording a podcast and I've got a runny nose. Anyways. So I've got the character toys in one bin. I've got like babies and dolls in the other bin. So the baby dolls kind of just the two of them that we have just sit in the little baby pack and play baby doll pack and play in a closet. But as far as like any extra clothing or the baby bottles, Barbie dolls, um, Barbie doll accessories, anything that we've kept that goes in this babies and dolls bin. There's kind of a miscellaneous bin for anything that isn't caught in the other three categories. And the last one is, what is the last one? Oh, pretend play. So the last one is like pretend play and dress up stuff. So this is like tiaras and doctor kits and tool, little toolkits and like things that they can dress up and play pretend with. Now any costumes and stuff is just hung up in a closet. So, and the, oh, sorry. Also on one of the bookshelves on the little actual bookcase, we have puzzles up there. So that's kind of where we keep our toys and that's it. I don't really keep toys anywhere else. The outdoor toys go in one of those outdoor storage boxes and everything can fit in there. And when it starts to get full, then I start getting rid of toys. So anyways, you're going to define the area that these toys can be neatly kept in. I'm yawning. Sorry. Okay, so once you've defined that, you're going to start sorting into a couple different piles, you know, books, puzzles, games, toys, stuffed animals, okay? And this is where you start to get ruthless. You grab a few containers, so depending on what suits your needs, you could grab, you should grab one for trash, like a trash bag, one for donations. I always say make sure that this is a cardboard box because you want to be able to fold or tape up that box and put it directly in the trunk of your car so that nobody can see <laughs> what you are donating. One for recycling. So I would say a cardboard box for this one too. That way it can just be put right outside. One to give back anything borrowed. So this could just be like a plastic shopping bag. And that's good for like when you find library books that you borrowed and you forgot to give back or, you know, you borrowed some hammer toy from a friend and you haven't given it back in two months. And then one one that is a sturdy tote for storage. So when you put these things in, you'll be able to just take it right up to the attic or down to the basement or whatever. So first you're going to go through all of your books. 
you're going to make sure you do your best to have every child's book that is in that whole house in this area that you clutter, like every single books. You're going to go through each book and just anything that is damaged beyond repair, you can recycle or trash it. Then anything you can't stand reading, throw it into a donate pile and anything that isn't ideal for your learning, teaching slash mothering style. And I am not just talking to people who homeschool, I'm talking about everybody. Everybody should be reading to their kids. Reading is amazing and it's not even the reading just when they're little. It's reading above your kid's own reading level is out loud to them, gives them this amazing vocabulary and teaches them sentence structure. It teaches them things by osmosis before you ever need to drill grammar things. So anyways, I could go on a whole thing about why you need to be reading aloud to your kids. But if something doesn't align with what you like to read or the way you like to read or your mothering style, whatever, then it needs to go because it's not going to be read. And so taking up space on a shelf, it's like, even if it takes up a quarter of an inch, you know, if you've got 20 books taken up a quarter of an inch, like that's five inches. You know what I mean? So for me, there was this Maisie book. Maisie does some, I don't know what it was, but my kids wanted to read it all the time. And I, it was whatever book it was. I don't even remember the premise. I thought it was pointless. I didn't like it that there were parts of it. Like didn't make sense. Like why is this mouse doing X, Y, and Z? Like I was not a fan of it. So I got rid of it. I never asked for it again after I got rid of it. For me, I am really kind of anti-character books. I very over my mothering have gotten very like, I don't really care for Paw Patrol and PJ Masks and all that stuff. Like if, if they're watching something, I want them to kind of be learning something from it. And I was adding up the time that my kids were watching TV and or reading books about PJ Masks or whatever. And and I just realized if you add up all that time on the TV and or any of these books they're reading, that time adds up to a lot in a day. So anyways, I just went off on a tangent and was like calculating a million things in a spreadsheet because I was trying to think of like the calculation I did on if I let my kids watch TV every day because I am not anti-TV at all. We use the TV. But if I let my kids watch TV for one hour a day, that's seven hours a week. Okay. That's a total of 28 hours in a month. So in one month, it's over one whole day of that month they're spent watching TV. Same thing if we read books for an hour or 20 minutes even. 28 hours in that month, they're watching TV. So do I want them watching something that is educational or just kind of zombifying, you know? But then I went even more on a tangent and I was like, okay, in a half of a year, how many days worth of TV would they be watching? Seven days of their year, of their half of a year, sorry, 14 days in a year, they would be watching TV if they watch TV for an hour. 
And in 12 years, so from the time they're, you know, first grade or kindergarten all the way up through high school, they would spend 168 days of their life watching TV. Now, let's be honest, how many of us only limit TV to one hour a day? Mm, Probably not many of us, you know? So anyways, I'm thinking... This is kind of where my basis of like, okay, do I want to get rid of these character toys or not? It like started with these character books because I was like, if we're going to be watching TV and maybe watching one of these shows, that's fine. I even figure they can watch one kind of pointless show a day. That's 20 minutes, right? That's two hours and 20 minutes out of their week, nine hours and 20 minutes out of their month. So it's 2.3 days out of every half a year, 4.6 days out of every year they're spending watching like a pointless show like Pokemon, you know? And I had to do all these calculations because my husband's like, Pokemon's not bad. I'm like, yeah, but when they're watching an hour of it a day, like I'm not okay. So then in 12 years, if they just spend 20 minutes a day watching one pointless TV show, they're spending 56 days of their 12-year life growing from kindergarten through high school Watching Pointless Show, 56 days. (laughs) And in 18 years, that's 84 days. Okay? That's just crazy to me. So I thought, if we're going to be reading books, I want to at least be reading stuff that's stimulating, has good vocabulary and rich English and good stories and morals and all these things. And so that's when I said, you know what, I'm just getting rid of these pointless books that I don't see any point in. So I did that. That's how I got rid of the books. I can hear my three-year-old. She's probably in timeout in child watch. And I don't know why she's in timeout, but she's over there wailing and I can hear her through the wall. Anyways. So that's my tangent on the character books. I don't keep character books around. I like the timeless ones like Eric Carlisle, Dr. Seuss, even though I really don't like reading them. There, we've got a bunch of Beatrix Potter adaptations, the Osborne originals, like their nonfictions and stuff. I love the lift the flap, whatever. So I get rid of anything that's the character stuff or anything my kids have outgrown, and I put it in a donate box. For any seasonal books, some people aren't a fan of this, totally whatever your cup of tea is. Um, I put seasonal books in with seasonal decor. So Easter, Christmas, Halloween, because it just cuts down on the amount of books that we have constantly out. So you're just going to go through every single book one by one. Is it damaged? Is it borrowed? Is it from the library? Is it annoying? Is it no longer serving? You know, that kind of thing. And I just determined my kind of my basics for the character stuff is in the TV shows, whatever. Okay. I just got a phone call and I stopped recording to answer it. (laughs) The phone call was from my dog's vet. We had taken him in because he could see skin flare-ups and he chews it raw and his skin cut, like his hair comes off and it's like all like yeasty and just gross. We spend hundreds of dollars every couple of months to get him on antibiotics and just one thing left and right. So we do that. And I take him to the vet and they give him all the stuff. And I said, look, this costs a lot of money. And I know that having an animal costs a lot of money. 
But I am not okay with just treating the issue. You know, like I don't want to just treat the symptoms. I want to, I want to treat the underlying cause. So I said, how do we figure out? And the doctor was like, well, we can do allergy testing and get him on allergy shots that you would administer. And I was like, okay, how do we do that? So they draw some blood, send it off. And they're like, in a week, we'll give you the results. So they just called today to give me the results of this allergy test. He is highly allergic to a lot of stuff, but you want to know what the two highest things he's allergic to? My cat. (laughs) He's allergic to our indoor cat. And pecans, pecan tree, which we have a huge pecan tree in the backyard. So, (laughs) so I'm glad he's starting allergy dust. But now I have to bathe the cat once a week with a hypoallergenic shampoo. So not only do I have to give him shots, which is going to suck and he's going to hate, but I also have to bathe my cat. Okay. Anyways, back to the topic. Where was I? I don't. mm, Okay. Stuffed animals. So get all the stuffed animals in one spot in the house. So first thing I suggest is to just wash them and dry them really, really well to get them like sparkling clean because it's rarely ever done. And so if you're going to have them all in one spot, like just wash all the stuffed animals. And then if you're going to give somebody stuffed animals, like the donations or whatever, it's like, just give them clean. You know, that's just the nice thing to do. So next thing you're going to do is you're going to find the area that you want to keep them in the area that is going to be the home for the stuffed animals. This could be a basket on the floor, a bin, a hanging thing from the ceiling, you know, one of those mesh hammock looking things, anything. And you're going to bring in the kids. And you're going to say, okay, this is the area mommy has decided that these animals are going to live, these little stuffies. So we're going to go through one by one and we're going to first find our favorite, favorite, favorite stuffed animal. And so they find their favorite stuffed animal and you put it in the bin or the bucket or whatever, or the toy box, whatever it is. And then you say, okay, now grab your next favorite and they search around, search around. And so you're going to keep doing this until you fill up that whole area. And once you have that area filled up, then you get to say, the stuffy home is all filled up. Oh no. So what we're going to do is we're going to look and say, okay, we're going to give a good hug and goodbye to these stuffed animals. And you know what? You might get a little bit of resistance. You got to talk them through this and you got to love them through it. And you just got to say, look, it's too many stuffed animals to have stuffed animals carry allergies and X, Y, Z. And so because of that, we are going to make sure that we get these stuffed animals to a home that can love them because we have so many, you know, whatever. For me, my kids' stuffed animals need to be able to fit at the edge of their bed. If they don't fit at the edge of the bed because that's where their home is, then we we start getting rid of some. And it's gotten to the point now where my son will be like, you know what? I don't really use Bud Light here anymore. We should probably give them to a kid that will. Something like that. Once you get past this first big hurdle, from then on, it's just taking out one or two stuffed animals that end up trickling into the house or get damaged, something like that. It's not this huge, big, painful thing you have to do every time. And if you can eliminate 
all like take all the like super loved ones out of the equation, then you don't have to worry about this big emotional thing because you can say, well, you don't play with that dinosaur anyways, you know, whatever. So that's, that's kind of the, the process you're going to use. Okay. So now we're going to break into the huge iceberg that is the toys. So this one, you get to use your own devices to sort and sort and sort. And like I told you already, I'm going to be totally honest that my kids are young enough that for the toys, I don't let them do this part with me. I, you know, my husband takes them out of the house or they go for a walk and I go through. Now, again, I can do this while they're out on a 20 minute walk because I've already done the great big perch and I'm just doing upkeep now. But the general concept of purging the toys is the same, whether you're doing massive, I have way too many toys in the house, or if you're doing just, you know, kind of a catch up. So I get my boxes and my bins, I put all the toys in the area and I pick up each toy one by one. And I ask myself, is it broken? If so, toss it. Is it missing pieces? If it's a puzzle or something, I place it aside and I tried to find the other pieces as I'm sorting through everything. If I can't find the pieces by the end, then I toss it. Is it well loved, but barely used anymore. You know, like those, let's say your kids are five and six and you have one of those like play hit hammer toys that one years old, the kids that are one years old use, you can probably donate that. Is it one track play? So this one is kind of goes along all the character stuff. Like for me, in my mind, Paw Patrol stuff is pretty one track play. Like we've got the Paw Patroller and it's like the kid, the pups can get in the Paw Patroller and they can save a mission or whatever. And then the Paw Patroller goes up. The Paw Patroller isn't really used for much more in my house. If your kids have the imagination capacity that they can do other things with it, but my kids just really don't. And it, it really didn't serve us. So I've actually put all those in another room, in another closet, in a room that's locked, and nobody's asked for it in over a month and a half or two months. So if it's one track play and you're really trying to downsize these toys, then donate it. If it's made out of really cheap material that isn't going to stand up or is not standing up, donate it. Is it open-ended? Then keep it. These are things like dollhouses dolls, kitchen sets, because kitchens, they can play restaurant, they can play store, they can play, you know, one thing after another, they can play these amazing games and imagination. They can play laboratory, you know, whatever doctor's kits, things like that. Things that are just open-ended and they can, they can take it and run with it. Keep those things. Is it well, is it, oh, I already said that. <laughs> is it messy? These are things like puzzles, Legos. If it drives you absolutely nuts, then donate it. If not, you're going to keep it, but we're going to use another fail safe on putting them away for the puzzles and the Legos and stuff. For me, I have gotten rid of all the puzzles that are character based. So we had like a Paw Patrol puzzle and a PJ Masks puzzle and a Avengers puzzle. I get, like the big floor puzzles. I get rid of those. I've kept the wooden Melissa and Doug puzzles and pretty much any like large educational puzzles. So we have like the ones that are the map of the world, the ones that are the map of the United States, ones that's bugs, dinosaurs, things like that. Things that are not the character things. Um, and 
I've donated all the rest of them that didn't serve us or that were missing pieces. Then we have, is it some sort of a duplicate? Duplicates would be like if you have two place stethoscopes, keep the best, sturdiest, most well-made one, donate the rest. Do you have two fake lemons? Is one, you know, like a hard lemon and one's like a really cheap plastic kind of dented one? Get rid of the plastic one. Things like that. Do you have two ballerina Barbies? Is one looking a hot mess and one looks better? Get rid of the hot mess. You already have a ballerina Barbie. Things like that. So you're just getting rid of things that are duplicates, that are one track play that can be really messy, toys that are broken, missing pieces, and then other ones that are just clutter. You're like, why do we even have this? These would be things like stupid toys from McDonald's or crap they get from a birthday party or at an Easter egg hunt that they get like little random bouncy balls, like things like that, you know, just get rid of those things. Now the fun organizing part is putting it back. If you've decided your area that you're going to keep the toys in, then this part is easy. Like I said, I've, my kids got the dollhouse in one closet and the play kitchen in another. So there's one of those 11 by 11 bins that has nothing but play food and, and play kitchen stuff. And that sits on the ground in the closet. That is all that is on the floor of that closet, the play kitchen and that bin of the stuff for the kitchen. And this way, when I tell my kids to clean up the stuff, they grab the bin and they pick up all the toys and then it's cleaned up. You don't have to have them like, I'm not so specific that I say, you know, the pretend pots and pans need to go here and the pretend silverware needs to go here. They're way too young for that right now. So if I can get them to know that this has pictures of food items on it and this is where food items go, that's where it goes. Uh, dolls and baby stuff are a bin. And so that's where Barbies and the, you know, the pretend bottles and things like that go. And the character play and the pretend animals. So the Paw Patrol and the butterflies and the, you know, little plastic toys that we have, like animal toys, dinosaurs, things like that. Those all go in there. I've got the random things, the pretend play dress up stuff. So those are all easily sorted and put away. I don't, and they're tidy because they're hidden and out of sight. I will say everything else, pretty much, I put in either 12 by 12 scrapbook storage containers that I get from Michael's when they're on sale for like $2.50 each, or 11 by 11 bins that are stored at the top of the closet shelf. Both of those things stored at the top of the closet shelf. Nobody but an adult can get them. Reason being, I can say, okay, you guys can build a domino structure with this little domino kit we have, you are more than welcome to. But before I take it down, you need to clean up everything in this room. And then I put it down and they play with it for, you know, however long they play with it. And then they say, mom, can you get the Legos out? And I can say, sure, I'll get the Legos out, but you need to put everything in that dino box back up. And I do it in these storage containers for a few reasons. One, the plastic is really sturdy and it's way sturdier than a box. Two, the plastic storage containers are the exact same size and they're kind of interlocking. So the boxes, you can either stack them one on top of each other, like you would stack plates, or you can line them up side by side like, you'd, like you would store books. And that way they're just easy to pull out. I label them with like a, you know, a label maker or something. And they're easy to pull out, but they're also just open it and throw all the toys back in to put them back up. 
So for those containers, I put our large puzzles in them. Um, those are like the Melissa and Doug floor puzzles because otherwise the puzzles get damaged in their original puzzle boxes. I have the domino kit. I have like a marble, little marble run kit that they have. I have like this connects thing that they have. Um, they play in that, that, you know, all those go in there. And then I have a few more, I think I have three more of those 11 by 11 bins from Target, the plastic Y-Weave ones. And I have all the Legos in one, all the Lincoln Logs in the other, and all the train stuff. So like the little mini trains and the little wooden tracks in another. And this way, if my kids want to play with Legos, go for it. But that is going to be the only thing you have pulled out at that moment. Otherwise, all the Legos get lost. People are stepping on Legos. Babies are eating Legos. You know, it's all tangled up in all the other toys we have on the ground. So this way, I'm they're only playing with that one toy and they're not getting overwhelmed and they can find things and then cleanup is not a huge mess and it's not overwhelming either. So that's where I go with that. So the toys that you don't exactly want to get rid of, but you think are either rarely played with or you don't want them playing with anymore, those ones hide them. <laughs> so like I said, we've got this guest bedroom and I've got like a plastic bag full of stuff that I think is just junk. Um, that's going to get trash donated, whatever. And it's all sitting on this guest bed and it's sitting on the guest bed because I don't want to betray my children's trust by them saying, mom, where is my singular transformer toy that I haven't played with in six months, but all of a sudden I want to play with it today. I want to give them a grace period that they could ask for things and I still have it before I get rid of it. And now that doesn't go for like the cheap, super pointless toys, like the Chick-fil-A toys and things like that. That goes for things like, you know, they had at one point like 8 billion Paw Patrol toys. And so Chase had like four different forms of chase with four different forms of vehicles. And so I kept just the normal chase and the normal vehicle and got rid of the sea patroller one and the air patroller one and the jungle mission one. But I put them all in a bin at the top of the closet in the guest bedroom because I didn't want anybody to be able to see them and ask for them. But I also didn't want to get rid of them and betray their trust. Um, so those are sitting up there and it actually worked out well because today my son said, Hey, I want to play with my transformer car, my bumblebee one in the sandbox in the backyard. And I said, I don't really know where that is. I thought I left it in your room. Cause I did think I left it in their room, but I went and looked in all the areas that I have the extra toys hidden. Now you could put these in a large plastic bin stored in your shed, in your basement, in your attic. Or if you're really living minimal, then just get rid of it and be honest with your kids whenever they ask. We really don't have that much room for all these things and we need to keep control of all the things that we have in our house, you know, whatever. And mommy got rid of it, whatever it is. So that's my basic go-to on how I declutter all the toys and I keep up with it. When you have little, little ones, just get rid of it they're not going to know the difference. They're really not. 
if it's something that causes a lot of mess, but you want to keep it, find a way to get it out of reach so things can't be dumped. When the kids get overwhelmed and they have a lot of toys and clutter in their brain and all this stuff, they dump stuff. Same goes for if there's not some sort of putting away system, they don't know where to look. So we have this pretend play bin so if they're looking for the stethoscope, they know they can pull out that pretend play bin and maybe dump that one bin looking for it, but then it's just one big bin to clean up. If I just had four completely unlabeled bins, who knows which of those four bins the stethoscope is in, and so everything gets dumped. So that's a really good way to help them. And sometimes I sit in their room with them and I say, I put all, line all the bins up and I say, okay, where does this go? And they put it back in. Where does this go? And they put it back so I'll try to put a picture or something of just, I literally just on a half sheet of paper, like printed out some pictures of the kind of toys that are in each bin with the words that say like pretend play. And I just stuck it to the bin. Um, I think I used zip ties actually. Um, and it's just a really easy visual way for my kids to look at it and say, oh, okay, that's what goes in this bin when they're cleaning up. So anyways, that's just a really easy way to organize that. I haven't really figured out a way to organize books. <laughs> They're kind of all just a mess. So I was thinking something like colored stickers for things that are like, is my kid crying again? For things that are like nonfiction versus things they can read on their own. You know, I don't know trying to think of something like that, but I'm going to Ikea this weekend because I am taking a momcation. I had a friend who has a free hotel stay in Dallas, three hours away, and she invited me. And I was like, girl, I'm there. So I'm going and I'm going to Ikea and maybe I can find some sort of sword solution for these books. I don't know, but I'm excited for that. So Anyways, if you have any questions about decluttering kids' toys, and you know what? I just realized somebody sent me an email about decluttering kids' toys months ago, and I never responded. And so I'm a jerk, and I'm sorry. I'm going to go look through. It was right when I started my Lent hiatus, and I feel bad now. So I'm going to go respond to that email. All right, so if you've made it through this whole episode, pat yourself on the back because you're awesome. And go leave me a rating or review, please, 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 on your podcast app that you listen to this in because it's really good for other people to be able to find the podcast. And I'd love you forever. This episode is over, but there's lots more content for you to check out on my website. Head over to holyhotmessmom.com for all sorts of downloads, posts, and ridiculous stories, as well as the show notes for today's episode. Don't forget to find me on Instagram and Facebook at holyhotmessmom as well as in our exclusive Mama Facebook group by searching Holy Hot Mess Mamas. That's Holy Hot Mess, M-A-M-A-S. So we can connect, share, encourage, uplift, laugh, and be virtual best friends. Do you have a topic or something you want to hear about on the show? Shoot me an email at podcast at holyhotmessmom.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions. If you like this episode, would you do me a huge favor and head over to your podcast app and give us a rating and review so that more ladies can find our podcast. The more great reviews we have, the wider we reach with our support, tips, laughs, and encouragement. I would really appreciate it. Until next time.